All right. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to VUX World on the build up to the Voice and AI Summit. If you were at the Voice Summit last year, uh, hopefully you would have seen the VUX World stage. Hopefully you participated in the VUX World stage. This year, we are back again at the Voice and AI Summit and we will be doing another stage uh, full of epic, epic content. We have a whole host of amazing companies there uh, with lots of case studies from enterprises who are implementing uh, conversational AI, generative AI, uh, the whole nine yards. So I hope you will be at the Voice and AI Summit. If you are not, you know, if you have not got your ticket, go to voiceand.ai and you can find out more about the agenda. You can see what's going down and you can get your tickets there so please do that and we'll look forward to seeing you in september from the 5th to the 7th our day is going to be on the 6th and it's going to be absolutely amazing so there you go uh next i'd like to give a shout out to tidio tidio for sponsoring the vux world podcast tidio is a, a customer experience platform geared more towards kind of like small to medium-sized online businesses. If you think about the the retailers and e-commerce platforms uh, and, and stores that are out there, uh, Tidio is, is what you want to be looking at. If you are looking to enhance your customer experience and maybe automate some of those kind of routine questions that your customers might have, it's already got out of the box the ability to answer things like product availability, shipping questions, order status, returns, all that kind of stuff comes out of the box. And the track record of Tidio is that it's answering four out of five customer questions successfully. So if you want to increase sales with the personalized shopping experiences and you want to uh, dip your toe into the world of AI, then you should check out Tidio. And if you do that by visiting tidio.com forward slash VUX, then you will save 20% if you were to go ahead and deploy that on your e-commerce website. That is T-I-D-I-O.com forward slash V-U-X tidio.com for slash vux thank you to the team at tidio for sponsoring vux world now our guest today is an incredibly uh knowledgeable uh and uh very kind of um how can i describe it? someone who's been doing this stuff for a long time and so much so that it has actually created uh one of the most popular uh open source chatbot frameworks deep pavlov uh, is Mikhail Burstev, and uh, he has got an immense world of experience. He's currently uh, a fellow at Landau AI. He's the founder of, of Deep Pavlov, as I mentioned. Uh, he's also the chief science officer at a stealth startup. So we don't quite know what's going on there. It's a little bit cryptic. Whether we'll get any insight into that during this conversation, I don't know. But uh, Mikhail has a whole host of experience that I cannot wait to dive into right now mikhail welcome to vux world my friend yeah hello everyone hello kane it's just a pleasure and honor to be on your podcast and thank you for your kind words introducing me no problem no problem the pleasure is all mine really appreciate you uh spending spending some time with us uh so as I, as I mentioned in the, in the brief intro there you have a, a wealth of experience in this space incredibly smart guy tell us where it kind of all began with you like were you were you working with ai before deep pavlov like where did the interest in ai come from so first of all it, it all started with my academic interest in building system which can learn on their own actually and uh, so at some point of time maybe it was 2015 i understand that today to do something uh, really really um impactful you need to combine 
like some machine learning, deep learning techniques like reinforcement learning with conversational systems. Because usually if you apply reinforcement learning to games, it's not, not a real task. It's more like toy problems. But if you want to apply AI to real problems, you, you might think, first of all, about robotics, but it's hard to get data. And then I understood that actually the sweet spot here is conversational AI, because you have a lot of live interactions with the real humans, and they are how, com how complex as the real world. So they, they have a very, very complicated behavior, unpredictable, and uh, building a system which will learn from humans, it, it should be amazing. We are still not there yet, but uh, I think that we are going in the right direction. Mm. So th this was a start for my interest in conversational AI. And uh, also, uh, First of all, I understood that we need the data, we need to build technology which will be useful. So we, so we started this uh, deep Pavlov uh, open source conversational AI framework. And uh, already at this moment, uh, there the, were many attempts by uh, large companies uh, building their personal AI systems. So the idea was, can we build something like operating system for personal AI assistant, like conversational personal AI assistant. And we had a lot of examples like Siri, uh, go, uh, like Google Assistant, and um, Amazon Alexa, and uh, Microsoft Cartana. And actually, um, on the other hand, I had a background in um, AI and thinking about uh, different uh, concepts of um, how we can build smart systems. For example, uh, Marvin Minsky's theory of society of mind, that we should create something like multi-agent, that human brain is like society of smart cognitive agents interacting with each other, solving problems. And then at that moment, I, I've seen a paper by Microsoft describing like major architecture of uh, Cartana and uh, you see all these like different skills carry over from one skill to another. And uh, so basic pipeline for uh, like traditional uh, personal assistance um, today. So we decided that we need to implement this as a conversational AI uh, framework. So everyone can take and, I don't know, deploy its own Amazon Alexa or Microsoft, uh, Cartana. So this is uh, how we started uh, Deep Pavlov. Nice. And at the time, what, what year was this? Uh, so uh, we started this project, I think, in... Um, uh, to, uh, first ideas was about around 2015, 2016, but we actually started this, uh, like, repo on uh, 2017. Uh, okay. So that was right when Amazon Alexa was really starting to take off and Cortana was releasing smart speakers and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Uh, and, and so was was that the kind of like the main sort of goal was that because the way that they're constructed is that they are they are assistants, if, well, bots, if you like, that perform very specific functions that all kind of sit behind this kind of orchestration piece 
which then receives the utterance from the user and then determines like which one of these sub bots is the one that needs to respond. Was that the primary goal of starting Deep Pavlov was to do that orchestration piece, was it? So uh, we uh, actually, we had not recognized clearly how, how uh, which part of this stack we should build. So we started actually first on the lower part. So to provide some uh, deep learning models for building like agents or skills. And then as a next step, we added this uh, orchestration part, which we, which we call DP agent, deep Pavlov agent, which, is, which sits on top and then manages all this, orchestrates all these uh, skills. So right now we have like two major parts in our framework. The first one, which is deep Pavlov library, which is mainly uh, something uh, which allows you to build pipelines out of NLP models, uh, like combining like named entity recognition, intent recognition, and some generative models, uh, plugging in hugging face or some other models in, into your pipeline. And this uh, part is mainly on like skills level, so you can provide some specific task on this level and build specific systems and maybe some of them with uh, like scripted dialogues but then another part it, it's just uh, orchestration when you have some specific um, workspace for all your skills to send data to each other and to orchestrator and all your components of your system uh, like integrating uh, for example, you you can you can have some pre-processing, like extracting some data, putting them in a like shared workspace, and then run some skills, some uh, conversational agents, which will then access this shared workspace, read data they need, and then generate their responses, and then you have some kind of response selection guardrails to understand which which response is the best match for the specific. Um, context of the dialogue. Right, interesting. And so would I be correct in assuming then that this, the Deep Pavlov as a framework is a combination of something a bit like a Rasa, where you have some degree of dialogue management and control over conversations, but then also is... I'm trying to think of a comparable now, which is essentially like a, an environment where you can pull in any kind of models that you that you need to, whether that's through Hug and Face or whether it's through OpenAI or whether it's through Dialogflow or whatever. Any kind of model that you need to, you kind of pull in and then you can utilize that or different models within different kind of like use cases within the same framework. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Uh, yes. So this is a deep power of agent. It's uh, mainly orchestrator, which integrates all these different bots uh, via APIs. So you can have one skill made with the Rasa, another skill made with the deep power of, uh, then another skill build, I don't know, Microsoft bot framework on dialogue or dialogue flow. And then you can integrate them and switch between them on the fly and uh, send data between them. Right. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. So in that case, then how, how do you kind of, or is there, is there a requirement for, you mentioned their switch between skills. I, I always envision like you've got certain, certain agents that perform certain functions that are kind of like defined, if you like. Um, and then 
you would imagine that let's say for example somebody wants to do something like change their address with their insurance company they go into that that skill they complete that task maybe they have another follow-up task which is okay now that i've changed my address i also want to add another car onto my insurance where that will take it to a different kind of agent um but the, what you mentioned is switching between them. Do you find that that's a common practice, which is that when people are in the middle of one activity with one agent, they need to be able to move into a different agent? Is it a case of like the orchestration layer gives you the ability to bounce along these different agents and keep the context so you can get back to where you are coming from and all that kind of stuff? Or is it a case of when someone's fulfilled one function within one agent, they're then passed on to another at the relevant time? Does that make sense? Um... So as it um, actually, it's a matter of implementation of this skill selector part of your system. So uh, you can either like delegate all control to your specific agent and wait until it it's, it, it has finished. It's bef like performing some uh, function towards specific goal, and then like switching to another agent. Or uh, you may try to like orchestrate it on the fly, so constantly uh, monitoring uh, context. And if you see that a user switched from one domain to another, maybe you you would need like to I don't know save this current state for specific one specific skill and then run another skill related to the context the user switched to. Right, I'm with you. Um, and how how do you kind of uh, we're getting to a place where I think businesses are beginning to get to this point where they understand the value of having their kind of assistance set up in that kind of way, where you've got specific agents that deliver specific capabilities, but then you've got this kind of like layer on top that kind of coordinates them all. You know, that's how kind of Alexa and Cortana was working, as you said. And as businesses get more and more skills, more and more content across a broader breadth of, of use cases, then having that single entry point becomes kind of important. What are the sort of like main things to consider when doing that? You know, let's say that one company has a chatbot with nuance and they've built another something or other with Deep Pavlov and, they're looking to try and integrate and get some synergy between it all. Like what's, what are the things that they will need to consider or things that they'll need to do in order to kind of make that happen successfully? Uh, I think, uh, first of all, it, uh, it, it's very important. We also see like many, many examples when companies uh, have uh, already many different uh, boards built by different parts of the company. Because usually you have something like from uh, you have support function, you have sales function, you have like different uh, functions uh, related to your product, and you like different departments might set up their own boards. But uh, then, like user experience might be not very coherent because they are like developed independently, and so on, and uh, so. In this case, I think that it's uh, like good practice uh, to set up something like some team in charge of integrating all these uh, uh, activities into one system, and uh, these uh, like team or person uh, 
uh, will be responsible for uh, um, understanding like the, the whole user experience, then interacting with all the conversational systems of a specific company. And it, it will uh, set, will set up uh, like scenarios for these skill selections. So, so like, and, and then also warp it, this skill selection in some, I don't know, specific uh, uh, user experience, like making it holistic for, 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 for the user. And then, of course, uh, like these uh, teams should um, then um, communicate with all the developers of the specific uh, systems. So I, I, I think that it's um, um, important that uh, specific agents should be developed by the uh, people who are uh, solving particular problems. So I, uh, this is why I think that actually there should be some separation between the people who is doing this integration and people who, is, who, who are doing agents, which are like more uh, focused on specific tasks and specific features of the products because they feel better all the pains of the users and they can better implement uh, all what they need from these uh, parts. And uh, But then uh, all these uh, boards, they should have some specific standardization for how to exchange data and uh, maybe uh, their um, their deployment uh, can be optimized because if uh, they I don't know use uh, run some services twice, so that you may have might have a one dialogue, but then different systems will pre-process it twice with the, with the, like I don't know same and uh, named entity recognition. But if you have like one entry point, then you can only pre-process it once and then all the downstream bots can then read this information and use it for uh, to produce an answer. Mm. And one of the challenges that Amazon Alexa had was that it was doing a lot of stuff like first party stuff. It play music, set timers, you know, set me an alarm, do all that kind of stuff. But then it also had this kind of developer ecosystem where you could build skills for it, which are these like third-party applications. And one of the biggest stumbling blocks of that platform, if you want to call it that, was Amazon didn't quite figure out a way to figure out what skills were the right skills for a given request from a user whether that was a case of not being able to route it correctly or whether it was a case of not having enough understanding of what those skills capabilities were, I don't know. But I'm thinking of like, let's say, as enterprises start to deploy more and more agents, you've got generative AI agents in the mix, you've got kind of more, more intent-based, deterministic kind of agents that all start to do different things. One of them's working with this business division on sales and lead generation, another one's working on support, another one's working on something else. How do you kind of, how do you sort of like, make sure or ensure against the the kind of like the 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 front end not knowing which agent to to send things to for what the better phrase how do you make sure that the request goes to the right agent is the is the question i suppose i i, I think that uh, that's a very very uh, important question and this is actually why i think uh, that um uh amazon uh 
was not very successful in switching uh, between skills on the fly and still you you would need to use all these invocation words uh, like names of the skills and stuff like that but uh, i think that right now we have a hope uh, that we might solve this problem with the uh, large language models because um, uh, the problem uh, here with this orchestration is just in like having very good common sense understanding of the current context. And before large language models, we just had no uh, technology to, to have good understanding. So uh, we were able to train model to understand some intents. But uh, still, even if, if you can predict intent for some specific um, uh, utterance, I don't know, for some specific uh, turn in your dialogue, you still, it's very hard to place it in the context, but uh, context matters a lot here. So what, what, what skills should be called? And But I, I think that right now, um, large language models will allow us to solve this problem because they have a very good understanding of the context. So, uh, and uh, here is like a clear solution that uh, you implement these warper or skill selector part with the LLM. And then what you need, you need just to describe functions for specific skills, just in natural language, what this particular agent is doing for your uh, customer or inside your system. And then ask your uh, skill selector, LLM selector, to, you, you set up correct prompt to, uh, like to direct user to the uh, correct um, skill. This is uh, how I think uh, these uh, can be solved. Because the problem uh, which we had like a year ago was that uh, every skill, it, it, it can... It can have um, good understanding inside some domain. So it can understand what user wants if it's related to, to, to some particular narrow domain. But if user just step out of this domain, then, then the system cannot understand that the user is already out of this domain. But I think that large language models, they can understand these situations and then they can handle it. Interesting. So. Let me see if I'm understanding this correctly. So what you're saying there is that if you are to if you were to describe in plain English the features that each of your agents fulfills, you would roll that up into a prompt, pass in the user utterance, and then you would construct a prompt basically akin to something like this is a customer talking to this bot in this kind of customer support or lead generation context, we have these agents that do these things, which one is the best one to de delegate it to get the answer and use that to then make the decision. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. And also on top of them to improve quality, you can use traditional intent recognition. So you, it, it's like that you have these, uh, what you have just described as well as some like ranking of all your options provided by your model. And I think that combination of two will be will give you like best quality which you can obtain today. Right. I'm with you.
Um, so it's it's almost like it's it's almost like when you have so some some organizations when they begin with contact center call center automation some will begin from the point of view of build a, an agent that solves a problem and they'll put it behind the IVR system so you press 1 press 2 press 3 and then you're talking to the 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 bot right others will approach it from the point of view of um oh, we've lost Miguel he's back again are you back? Good, good to go. Uh, so what I was saying there is that some contact centers, for example, if they're going to launch, could be either chat or voice, the the kind of place to start is either they'll they'll create an, an agent that solves a specific problem. So you'll you'll go to the IVR, you'll press one for this, press two for that, and then press three, and then you talk to the agent. Others though, and then what they'll do is then they'll they'll create one agent, then another agent, then another agent until until eventually every item on your IVR goes to an agent, and then they'll put a wrapper on top of that, which is just tell me what you want, and I'll put you right through. Yeah. The other opposite way of doing it is that you begin with the routing, intent based routing. Tell me what you want, and I'll route you to the right live agent, and then over time we'll then supplement those live agents with automated agents, and therefore we achieve the same result. We just do it a slightly different way. What you're describing there here really is 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 almost a version of that, isn't it? Where instead of rooting to the live agent based on the intent, really you're you're just rooting to a, a separate automated agent based yeah. on the intent of the customer. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. What and, the... and 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 not only at the beginning of the dialogue, it also supports all the dialogue. So when when one agent done its function. Then yeah. these, like these, uh, orchestrate, orchestrator can ask user, for example, maybe you want to have, as you've said, maybe you want to have an uh, insurance, maybe you have another car and do, do you need insurance for another, for your another car? Yeah. Or maybe do you want to travel and we can provide you with a travel insurance? And, uh, so, and then if a user like, Agrees, then you can route it to the like travel uh, agent for uh, uh, creating travel insurance. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And so, in that instance, you basically one skill comes to the end of its of its conversation, and then the orchestration layer comes back in and then takes over with it. Knows the context of the conversation, so it'll then just reprompt you and or prompt you and say, "What do you want to do next?" Or do you want to try this because that's related to this or whatever. What about what about switching within the context of an agent? So I'm in the middle of having this conversation. I decide that that's not what I want to do anymore. And in fact, I want to do something else. Or perhaps an example of that would be, um, so we're working with a government organization right now. And you can call up, your, your bin outside hasn't been collected. So you'll call up, you say, I want to report my missed, my missed bin collection. So that conversation is one agent that's having a conversation. That's fine. Sometimes people will end up in that conversation and they'll say, hey, you were supposed to pick my fridge freezer up yesterday. You didn't pick it up. Now, that's not that's a paid for service. It's a different thing. It's a different a different agent. So within that conversation, when that is picked up, we need, we'll need to then send that into another agent. So do you recommend doing that at the intent level within each individual agent? And just you have to basically then be from a design perspective recognize that at this point in the conversation they might want to switch into this agent over there or does the orchestration layer play a role somehow in at the agent level where 
when it picks up an intent that's not destined for that agent, it then takes over and, and makes the connection. Does that make uh, sense? Yeah, I think that uh, uh, solution with orchestration is much more scalable. Because if you have many components and then you, you add more and more different uh, agents, uh, different skills, different functions, then if you have this direct routing from one uh, agent directly to another, you will need to update these like routing yeah. tables. And then you, so I think it's, it's more complicated in terms of yeah. uh, like engineering. But if you have just one like point where you have like registry of all your available skills, and you have a function of uh, like uh, monitoring context, then you can do it better. And then it's, it should be cheaper as well, because if, if you uh, like uh, run agent and uh, it, when you have orchestration, you, you can have uh, one smart orchestrator and pay for like inference or for the large language model. And then you can have not that smart skills, which might be much more cheaper and uh, run on your own infrastructure, no, no, no large language models, something rule-based. Uh, but that, if, if you want to switch from one skill to another, then you need better understanding inside every skill, every agent. And in this case, to get this understanding, you, you will need to put to run LLMs for every agent. Which uh, will be cost like costly, right? So are you are you saying then that the the way to from architecturally the way to do this is that the orchestrator agent that is handling that initial input, let's say that it determines that this agent is the right agent to solve this problem. Are you saying that then you you won't actually just kind of hand off? into that agent what you would do is you would keep the orchestration layer always processing what's what's coming in and then sending that request into the individual agent level and then bringing it back up to the orchestration level is that what you're saying yes so actually uh, uh we we provide uh, like uh, maybe we can say like uh, this orchestrator is a proxy so it fully isolates user from the uh, skill so all the uh, input and output from specific skill goes through the orchestrator. So uh, after some specific skill or specific bot produced its own answer, first of all, this answer goes to the orchestration, and then orchestrator decides if this like response appropriate or not. Maybe it should be guardrail or, or maybe should be post-processed, for example, some names I added, I don't know, or, and only then it goes to the user. So this orchestration layer is constantly like monitoring uh, what, what is going on and decides if, for example, we need to, to switch to some another skill. Right. I'm with you. I'm with you. What are some of the things that you've seen go wrong when people try and do that kind of orchestration piece? Uh, actually, we, we had not that much experience with this yet. So we're just starting to, to, to experiment. So I cannot share with you nothing uh, in terms of, uh, I, I mean, nothing consist like consistent or uh, reproducing. 
because uh, you see right now we have these um, uh, like explosion of uh, like stuff like uh, auto GPT and agents and uh, so on. And uh, basically uh, what, what we are talking about in our uh, DP agent uh, um, architecture is like not that experimental because in auto GPT you have, you can generate plans and you can generate agents on the fly and then run them. Here, of course, for this automatic generation, you have uh, very low reliability with the current models. So it, it, it can usually like produce um, errors and uh, cannot call properly some functions. Uh, what we propose is that uh, it, it's, it should be much more robust because every specific skill, it, it's like uh, developed by uh, developers to solve specific problem. And we are solving only this orchestration part, uh, which is which requires broad understanding. But all the fine-grained details which are required for specific requests, they are might be rule-based or or maybe recognized by specifically trained models, which are which has much better quality than large language models. Because mm -hmm. right now, what we see. Uh, that if we uh, test large language models for traditional NLP tasks like uh, entailment recognition or intent classification or named entity recognition, uh, they actually had uh, performance like 20, maybe 15% uh, worse than uh, specific models for these tasks which means uh, that LLMs, they are very good for uh, common sense understanding of uh, some context in general sense, but they are not as good for uh, targeting specific information inside uh, natural language input. And uh, so, so to have a, a system with a good quality of responses, you need to combine both LLMs to understand overall context and specific models to dig in to specific domain and uh, have very good understanding inside the domain. So LLM might, might have no precise understanding what should be done in sp some specific situation like uh, related to car insurance. But mm. it, 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 it perfectly understand that uh, client is talking about car insurance right now. Uh, and then it just uh, hands on to to specific model. Mm, that's so interesting. So, so I do want to just reiterate that for to make sure that I've understood it, and also it's worth reiterating. So, what you're saying there is the studies that you've done around utilizing large language models for intent classification and entity extraction. The large language models are performing worse than a specifically tuned classifier for that specific task is that is that correct yeah sure even more uh, actually we can find that uh, if we task llm with um, producing uh, question answering over text even if if we can put all this text inside the context 
So we don't need any vector bay uh, like uh, vector databases. We don't need retrieval. So we have all the information in the text, which is in the context of the model, and we ask question regarding like this information. Still, uh, it will have like performance about I don't know fifty-five uh, some F measure F one measure in terms of response, but then specific model trained for this data set will have uh, 75 uh, 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 F, F measure of response, so, which means that even if uh, there is all information in the input, the model still can produce errors. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's inherently like uh, because large language models, they have trained for so many different tasks. they. Uh, they have like um, it's their in inherent inability to focus uh, uh, narrowly on some specific uh, task. Mm, that's so interesting. What, what do you think then of you know part of this? Part of it is because of just the general hype around this topic. I think, and there's a lot of people who are uh, whose interests are in kind of generating as much attention and revenue as possible in this period, but. What do you think then of of some of the claims that you see and hear about? Because I, I see and hear a lot of large language models are better at understanding, they're better at classification, they're better at intent recognition. And although we haven't necessarily used it for that specific stuff internally, um, we we do tend to find that like for certain specific things that are of highly high consequence, like you know debt collection and government and stuff like that, that we do a lot of work with then the more deterministic models tend to perform better. But even just in the studio of playing around and feeding this sample utterances, this is just not, not scaled like data. This is just, you know, uh, qualitative observations, essentially. Put, put some example utterances in and having it try and extract entities. I've found that it's, it's decent enough, but some obvious ones you would expect it misses. Um, so what do you think then of, of, you know, some of the, you know, information and, and claims that are out there regarding how good these are at specifically classification and intent recognition because there's quite a bit of it out there yeah i, I think that uh, actually what we have here is an example for these uh, gartner hype cycle then first we have this inflated uh, expectations and uh, but uh, you see everyone was just uh, mind blown because no one expected the, that these uh, chat GPT will produce such a good common sense understanding, such good uh, open domain dialogue. Uh, because, uh, for example, Amazon Alexa challenge was like the whole competition targeted for open domain dialogue. And no one team, like every year, people from the 10 universities try to solve this problem. No one was able to to address this to, to this extent as, as chat GPT uh, uh, did. And we, we see that, wow, right now we have like the model with this almost human-like common sense and it can pass some, I don't know, exams, tests, and uh, it can switch topics, it, it, it can mimic different styles, it can provide you with a very good advice. And um, so it was great for creating quick demos just to write down clever prompt and you have almost functioning system. It, it, it just 
you, you have input data, uh, some natural language dialogue, and then you have output JSON, uh, which is like parsed from this um, dialogue data. I think it, it was amazing. But then people uh, started to study it more carefully, compare with the existing systems, and now we see more and more evidence and more and more data produced by in our um, by our team as well as by many many other uh, research uh, teams in the world uh, that uh, for specific problems like intent classification, question answering for specific domains over the text name recognition, uh, they are pretty good. LLMs pretty good, but they are worse than specific models, which means that uh, we need just to combine this technology because uh, I think that uh, what we had before, all these bird-based, Roberta-based models and LLMs, they are just complement each other very nicely. And we should use both. LLMs are pricey, but they have very good understanding of text in general, and they can summarize very well. But on the other hand, we have uh, very good models for named entity recognition, which are much better than uh, LLMs in terms of quality. Interesting. Interesting. So, so could you could you provide an example, even if it's a hypothetical one? of a kind of a setup for a conversational agent that utilizes the best of both worlds what in what you know let's let's give it a hypothetical example of um i don't know the insurance example that we were given there you know yeah. it's an insurance company they want to provide the ability for people to get a quote and then decide if they want to take out the policy and then actually take out the policy all part of a conversation could you give us an example of where you think a large language model would fare better and then also where like a, a, a more traditional NLP model would perform better in that kind of context? Just trying to understand how the best of both worlds kind of plays out in your in your understanding. So certainly then uh, you have uh, like these some incoming client and you need some onboarding, some understanding what is the problem of the uh, client or what, what the client wants. First, you should start with this uh, large language model. For example, a, a person wants to understand what are uh, prices for different uh, like insurance products for cars. And you can uh, understand this intent with the large language model and then switch to, I don't know, like a sales agent, which can then, the sales agent will use like name entity recognition to recognize uh, uh, like uh, name of uh, the person uh, or all the requests about price, numbers, dates, like time periods. And uh, certainly you can do this actually in parallel. You can try to parse them with the large language model as well with the specialized model, like something like assembling them together to, to, to get the even better quality. And then you, these specialized uh, agent, for example, can find the best product for the client and then hands uh, like a hand, uh, hand uh, like handed back to the large language model to this orchestrator like uh, like this uh, warping model and then it will switch to the particular agent which will go through the steps for uh, creating contract for filling in specific details and stuff like that 
and uh, in, in this um, the specific agent will have its own vocabulary of entities which is relevant for filling contract and it will have specific clarifying questions which are usually arise maybe it will ha have its specific FAQ related to like filling in contract because FAQs for selecting product and for filling in like insurance contract they uh, will be different and if you have understanding that you are currently in one or in another situation you just improve quality of your responses because you know that now you need to consider only specific subset of uh, uh, answers uh, and these are different yeah that makes sense yeah so so it's it's large language models for the kind of broad understanding to figure out the situation the user's in uh more traditional classifiers for delivering specific features specific need delivering against specific needs and then rolling back to the orchestrator the, the large language model for yeah. In that instance, would that be kind of like a you get to the end of that initial conversation and then you hand it back over to the orchestrator? Would you would that be a prompt to a large language model internally, basically, which is not seen by the user, which is this customer's just been through this situation, this is their situation now, what what should they do next? Sort of thing. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, this is this is totally makes sense because I think also that we could, we can provide like uh, maybe it's a specific uh, like evaluating or guard railing uh, LLM, which just uh, performs sanity check if this response appropriate for the current context and if the task is already finished. And uh, then we can have like a talk between different models and natural language behind the scenes. It it's, it's totally makes sense. And this is, I think this is, will be the next step of the technology. So we will have something like many agents coordinating behind the scenes. Maybe some models, specific models, will ask clarification from other models if they have no, no, not clear understanding what is happening or if they need some, some data. Mm. So if you follow that thread where you have multiple assistants, multiple agents, within the context of a given company, performing lots of different tasks. An example I gave um, previously to, to someone was, let's imagine that you're a bank and someone comes to your assistant and they say, I've lost my bank card. I was on the train and I think I've left my bag on the train. Now, the assistant in that instance would say, okay, the, the orchestrator layer using a large language model of some degree knows, okay, this sounds like a lost card. Let's invoke that agent to sort this lost card out. So that agent will say, okay, let's freeze the current card. Let's sort that out. And then let's order you a new card and all that kind of stuff. But then if you go one step beyond just an organization having lots of agents and you go towards a place where lots of other organizations that also have their own agents that are able to interoperate between each other, Potentially, at very little effort, you could then say to to the large language model that's orchestrating this process, okay, the 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 account's been frozen and the new card's on its way, but still left over is the fact that there's a bag lost on a train. And if the language model then knows, okay, there's a bag lost on a train, what bots can I reach out to that 
op- that know or can talk to train operator bots. So then potentially you could kick off something which would be akin to the creation of a new process just for that one customer, which is let's go and clarify with the customer what train line it was. Oh, it was it was NLER. Okay, now let's figure out what time it was and what date it was. And now let's go and talk to the NLER bot and say on this train, on this time, on this day, was there a bag left behind? Oh, yes, there was. And then let's make a connection between the person and the train companies, but for them to then retrieve their bag. Now, that could potentially be orchestrated without needing to be hard coded, providing there is an open interoperable standard that these models and orchestration layers can kind of plug into. Do you think that that's kind of, it sounds feasible, but do you think that's actually where we'll end up, which is that once we've got through solving the problem of orchestrating multiple agents within a given organization, that actually we can start orchestrating multiple agents across multiple organizations to then enable those kind of use cases? Yeah, actually, I'm totally with you on that. And uh, But I, I, I think that uh, uh, I will explain how I think this scenario should work a little bit in a little bit different, but in general, I think it's 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 totally feasible. And actually, when even before uh, we created our first repository on GitHub for Deep Pavlov, my thoughts was uh, were about uh, things which you described. I thought that if we will be able to create personal assistants, which understand human very well, understand natural language very well, then these uh, personal assistants might uh, serve as a proxy for for the human user and as a proxy for organizations. And then in this case, it's it's when you, I think that it's like a qualitative jump in technology. When you have something which allows you to understand natural language, in, in different components of your system, then you can uh, provide this uh, additional layer of uh, like interoperability when different components can talk to each other in natural language. And then in this case, you don't need to create like hardwired, like um, manually created uh, communication links between agents. You can just create a medium where they can find each other depending on the task. And then, because they can can communicate in natural language, then they can, like, settle protocol how they exchange data and how they exchange information about some specific task. And it's amazing because then you can, like, add more agents, change what's inside, but still they will be able to be integrated by themselves into the system. And I think that in your example, you say that this bank agent can connect to this railway uh, service. But I think that in this case, it it should be personal agent, not bank agent, because bank agent should handle everything which is related to bank. But if you have personal agent, then this personal agent can uh, like uh, route your request to the railway agent, and the railway agent will ask you all the details. And uh, because this railway agent actually knows about everything about trains, about schedule, and maybe if it even knows your uh, route, and if you just provide like your ID that it was your, 
it can identify train and then can send someone to, to check to check your for your bag. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So the challenge with that though is that Amazon Alexa had the opportunity to do that, had the opportunity to be the personal assistant that could connect all these dots, and you know, lots of people still use Alexa, but far less people are developing skills for it. Yeah, for example. Yeah. So it seems as though like the moment might have passed. It's not that it won't come back again. And if it if it implements, you know, a more large language model based understanding and 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 you know becomes more useful in other domains, then fair enough. But it seems as though like for the time being, at least as far as people's attention, Alexa's kind of died down a bit. But OpenAI and ChatGPT are definitely, as you said, as you said, going through that hype cycle. Would you envisage that that personal assistant? Because for me, looking at OpenAI, they have the beginnings of that personal assistant. The trialing plugins through ChatGPT, the trialing web scraping through ChatGPT. You know, so it's it's kind of like it's getting itself into a position where it's trying to lay some foundations that would enable that future to kind of come about. Do you think that's the kind of game plan for OpenAI is to ultimately create this personal assistant or do you think they're just kind of experimenting with various different things as, as because they can essentially? Uh, I I don't know. I think that for personal assistant you should have uh, two different uh, parts. The first part is technology for a very good understanding of intents and context and uh, everything which is happening right now. And on the other hand, you should have like a lot of specific data about this user. Because the more data you have about uh, the user, the better predictions you can make and the better service you can provide. And OpenAI has a lot of technology on side of uh, understanding, but it is not yet have good access to user data. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but on the other hand, I, I think that this personal assistant uh, thing is very very disruptive. We don't know when. I, I, I think that inevitably it will be created by one company or another but when it will be created it will just totally change a lot of businesses for example it might just make all this web ad advertisement obsolete so mm -hmm. this is why i think that google is the company which should have uh, the most the highest pressure yeah. to do something like this and actually, it, it has data. It has a lot of personal data about where you were for the last 10 years, what you have done. And also, they had a pretty good, uh, strong uh, technology team, all the DeepMind and the Google Brain and stuff like that. So I think that in terms of potential, Google is much stronger uh, to create something like this. Certainly, they have some legacy with the Google Assistant, maybe it, 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 it's harder for them to reinvent themselves. Mm. But they are, I think that they have uh, like the, the most chances to create something yeah. like this. But they have kind of had their fingers burnt a little bit with Google Assistant, haven't they? Like they've had to pull, that pull back and sunset kind of like conversational actions, which is the third party kind of component to it so they've they've had a stab at creating that personal assistant didn't quite go exactly how 
how it was hoped. <laughs> so, like, do you think they will kind of try and have another bite of the cherry, or or try and just build it all into kind of Google search? I I, I think that if they will not do this. Some other company, I don't know, Microsoft or OpenAI, if uh, they will do personal assistant on their own hand, then all the Google business uh, will die. Yeah. This, this is my, uh, my, I don't know when it will happen. Maybe in five years, maybe in seven years, maybe in two years, I don't know. But uh, it, it's definitely, I, I think that personal assistant, because it, it's just, it's so simple. That the more data you have, the better uh, quality of service you can give to your clients. Yeah. That's it. So if you have personal assistant, this personal assistant had as uh, like the most data any one system can have about you. And so the first company which will create useful personal assistant will get most data, and when it will get most data, it will get even more better in terms of serving. The, so it, it will be very hard to outcompete out this company. Mm. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Will that occur? Let's see, let's see. Uh, cool, well, I, I know we're, we're a little bit past the time now, but thank you for uh, for sticking with us. Um, so we do have another episode of this podcast uh, with yourself, Mikhail, booked uh next week so if you're tuning in right now uh then wednesday the 16th we're going to do this again because we've touched on some stuff regarding large language models uh which has been a very fascinating conversation we talk about large language models from the point of view of being an enabler and an orchestrator of wider and broader ai programs for businesses when uh, when they have multiple different agents doing different functions we've spoke a little bit about the potential for large language models to enable that personal assistant that we've kind of all been wanting you know since amazon alexa and google assistant and siri and they've all felt they've all felt a little bit short of our expectations yes apple apple, apple is another competitor i think it, it also has a lot yeah. of personal data and Definitely. So much personal data. I mean, Siri should be the best assistant on the planet. It's just that it falls short of actually doing stuff. <laughs> it's most, In fact, most of the questions I ask it these days, it sends me a web link. That's how it, that's how it, <laughs> it, it seems yeah. to have gone back over. But, um, but to get to that kind of place where we've been discussing, which is this more personal assistant and even some of the shortfalls that we've been mentioning here around large language models being less good at classification and entity extraction there's there's room for it to improve and part of that is the ability for it to uh retain memory to have wider context and all that kind of stuff and so uh michael is thankfully going to join us again next week and we're going to get into more detail around the specifics of where large language models need to improve and how for them to be ultimately effective as we believe them to be. So thank you, Mikhail, for joining us uh, on this one. And we'll see you again uh, next week. Great pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. See you next week right. too. See you next week. And for those of you who uh, don't manage to tune in next week, I hope you all do. But uh, if you're not convinced yet about uh, giving Deep Pavlov a try, I'll be surprised if you're not convinced because this conversation has been uh, riveting, as I'm sure next week's will be. But you can try Deep Pavlov at deeppavlov.ai. D-E-E-P-P-A-V-L-O-V.ai. Is there any other places or resources that you would direct people to, Mikhail, if they want to learn more? No, this one is, a, is, a, is, the, is the best entry point. 
Perfect. Perfect. All right. Thank you again. And thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Wednesday. Thank you so much. Bye.